Hello and welcome back to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard, your host as always, and today we are unfolding the latest in the Twitter saga, which I'm titling The Bird and the Bee, and you'll see why in a few minutes. We're talking about the Twitter bird, and we're talking about a particular bee. Twitter has been purchased by Elon Musk for the tune of something $44 billion, and he is now cleaning house. What has happened in this scenario and what does this mean for you? Because that's really the question. What does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with you? Welcome to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard. Let's get started. As always, welcome back to Church Public. My name is Matt and I am your host for the day. If you haven't already, like and subscribe at all the channels, all the places, wherever you happen to be listening. If by any chance you're listening on audio and you want to see the video, there is a video. You're going to have to search for it. You're going to have to search the video places or go to churchpublic.com or go to YouTube if I'm still on there. Uh, the last one that I posted got some hit for something that happened anyway. It doesn't matter. We'll see. It'll probably be up there. If not, I will find a place to put it and let you know where that is. At any rate, I do appreciate all of your help. So like, subscribe, share this with a friend if it is in fact helpful. Support it if you want to. I really appreciate all of the above. So today we are talking about Twitter. And the reason we're talking about Twitter, and I've talked about them on and off for a while now, is that... There have been a lot of people had have been censored and they've been censored because they weren't allowed to say certain kinds of things. And you were not allowed to say all kinds of things over the past couple of years. You were not allowed to say um, things about certain medical procedures. You could not talk about Hunter Biden for a little while. You could not talk about any election weirdness, of course, and you could not currently until very recently and, and the new owner, Elon Musk took ownership, you cannot talk about anything regarding gender. For instance, you cannot say that a man is a man or that a woman is a woman or that a man is not a woman. So we have people like the New York Post being banned for a while. The Babylon Bee, and that's the bee that we're referring to in the intro, a satire news site, literally a site that is making fake news was removed. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. And of course, the president sitting at the time, the sitting president of the United States of America has been permanently banned from the website Twitter, from the social media sharing site, as a, uh, in addition to a bunch of other sites. So Elon Musk took over Twitter last week. Many of you knew not, know that and heard that, and now he's cleaning house. He even made this joke about everything in the kitchen sink. He showed up holding this sink. Like, I, this guy is so awesome. If you're not watching, this is just a picture of Elon Musk in the Twitter headquarters, literally holding a sink. Um, I just think that is hilarious. He showed up at Twitter and said, let that sink in. I mean, the dad jokes with this guy. And you know, I love a good dad joke. So Elon Musk has fired many people, including Twitter's top lawyer, Vijaya Gadi the head of legal policy, trust, and safety. The Daily Mail reported earlier this year that Gotti played, quote, a key role in the contentious decisions to ban aforementioned Donald Trump and suppress news articles about, <laughs> my metaphorian slip, that was a problem. Anyway, um, <laughs> news articles about Hunter Biden's laptop. Politico had reported earlier this year that after news broke in April that Musk would be buying the platform, Gotti cried during a meeting when she expressed concerns about how the company could change. Musk also fired CEO Parag Agrawal, the 
CFO, Ned Siegel, and Sean Edgett, the company's general counsel, again, according to the Washington Post. So he is cleaning house. He had replaced, I'm sorry, he had released a statement earlier in the day explaining why he wanted to buy Twitter. He said, I wanted to reach out personally and share my motivation in acquiring Twitter. He wrote, quote, there has been much speculation about why I bought Twitter and what I think about advertising. Most of it is wrong. (laughs) This guy, Um, he goes on to say, quote, the reason I acquired Twitter is because it's important to have the future of civilization to have a common digital town square. I'll stop there for a moment and reiterate, this has been Twitter. Twitter has been the digital town square. In other words, where you go to express ideas, where you go to express uh, different thoughts, and in some sense, wrestle through them. Now, of course, as of late, that's not what it's been. It's been just a place where people dump on you if they don't like your ideas, where you turn into a trending topic if you express the wrong idea, or if you express the wrong, wrong idea, you just disappear entirely. You're literally banished from the public square, presumably never to be seen or heard from again. At least that's what's happened in many, many cases in this Twitter verse. I got on Twitter, I think in 2008, that was, I don't know, it started in 2007 or 2008, I didn't look this up, but but I got on very closely after when it started uh, under some different names and different handles uh, over the years. And I'm just at Church Public at this point is, is where I spend most of my time on there. Um, I, I don't post a lot on there to be frank because I know that the things I want to say I cannot say, so I haven't. And now, apparently, we're in a different universe. So continuing with Elon Musk's statement, he says, it's important for the future of civilization to have a common digital town square where a a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence. He continued, there is currently great danger that social media will splinter into far-right and far-left echo chambers that will generate more hate and divide our society, end quote. I would agree. When you censor speech, you don't remove it entirely. You just send people into their spaces where they're going to have less interaction with the rest of the world. Uh, Musk went on to say, in the relentless pursuit of clicks, much of traditional media has been fueled by and catered to by polarized extremes as they believe this is what brings in the money. But in doing so, the opportunity for dialogue is lost. He did continue saying, quote, that is why I bought Twitter. I didn't do it because it would be easy. I didn't do it to make money. I did it to try to help humanity, whom I love, and to do so with humility. I love that about this quote. Anyway, he continued, recognizing failure in pursuing this goal, despite our best efforts, is a very real possibility. So not only is he trying to do something apparently nice for humanity, he also knows that it might not work. But so far, kind of seems like it is working. So he also is reportedly set to cut around 50% of the workforce at Twitter. I believe they have somewhere around 7,000, 7,500 employees. Well, at least now they do. We'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. So some of that has started, and that's interesting. And, And here's the deal. Many people use Twitter. Many people are obnoxious on Twitter. All of those things are true. But... But I just I have to say this. I have to say this to you. Most of you know this, and and so this isn't going to be surprising. But if you don't, this is the, the, the public service announcement of the day. You have a power on Twitter. This is going to be amazing. This is going to blow your mind. The power that you have on Twitter is to not read it. 
you don't have to open it. You don't have to install it. You don't have to have the app. You don't have to have an account. You don't have to read anything on Twitter. You can close your phone, close your computer, throw all those devices into a pond somewhere and never look at Twitter in your entire life. You have that power. You have that ability. That's the power you have. You don't have to read things you don't want. You can unfollow people. You can block people. You can mute people if you just don't want to hear them for a while. You don't have to see what you don't want to see. And here's the really tough one. You can choose. This is really tough. Here we go. You can choose not to engage with the things you disagree with. I know this is crazy. If you see an idea on there that you don't like, rather than jumping on your keyboard and yelling and screaming and swearing in type and doing all the things, you can just not engage. Again, you can mute them. You can turn it off. You can get rid of it. The question comes to, should the corporation, should the government, should a CEO, should anyone be able to stop you from speaking? And that is what you and I and everyone have been saying. You have the power to stop listening. You are not sitting there strapped to a chair with speakers all around you and your eyes plastered open being forced to hear things you don't like. You don't have to listen. You don't even have to read Twitter at all. So this argument that I've been making, that so many others have been making for years, is that Twitter itself wanted to tell me that if I have the ability to speak or not. They wanted to say, whether based on what I have to say, whether I'm approved or not. So they wanted to say, if I was talking about the election, if I was talking about a certain medical treatment, if I was talking about um, gender, or even in some cases the Bible, that may not be approved. That may get me kicked off Twitter and other social media sites, by the way. So this has been a problem. And I know it's been a problem. I've been affected by it. You may have been affected by it. Many people have been affected by it, not just the super top names that we talked about, like the president and the Babylon Bee and many others. Many people have been affected by the lack of ability to say what they want to say. And again, there's going to be crazy people talking. Sure, on both sides, there's going to be crazy people talking. But what about the people who are rational, who can listen and talk at the same time? Not at the same time, but you know what I mean. You can listen to something, you can respond to something, you don't have to be rude and obnoxious, but you want to get more information. What about those people? Are they not allowed to voice those opinions? And in the past, the answer has been no, you are not allowed to voice unwanted opinions. So to really understand this, we just have to go back in time for a moment and realize what happened in the past couple of decades to speech. I know we could go all the way back to the Constitution and say, you know, you have freedom of speech and whatever, but let's not go that far back today. Let's just go back a couple of decades uh, and maybe a little bit more. First, there was just a couple of news channels on TV and there a little bit of radio and some newspapers, New York Times, etc., that really had readership and that people really got their news from. That's it. That's the only place people got their news for a long time. So these places were able to give you whatever news they thought was important or true for you. Now, I would say it probably was a little bit more fair, maybe a little bit more balanced than it is today, but it still has been liberal for a long, long time. That's just the truth of the matter, whether you realized it or not. But they had control over all of these things then, and this has been in my lifetime now, the internet was invented. It was mainstreamed. It became a part of life. So you could go to different news websites. And I did this. I am old enough to have these bookmarks on the top of my page. I know your younger people have never done any of this, but to us people who are a little bit more experienced, you would put a bookmark on the top of your page and then you would go to those websites and read them and aggregate for yourself 
collect for yourself these different ideas. You would say, well, I want to learn from this site. I want to learn from this site. I want to learn from this site. And then you figure out what you know, what you believe, what you want to act on. That's how you did it. So with those bookmarks, you had a few of those. And then all of a sudden, what happened again in the late 90s, in the early 2000s, again, kind of 2005, 6, 7, 8, you got Facebook coming out, which was a certain thing, and it changed a little bit. But Twitter came out and really made some changes to this. Because what happened when I was able to go to different bookmarks, I was able to take the news out of the hands of the news media and choose what I want to learn. You could choose what you want to learn. You could fact check events in real time. Now, it wasn't as real time as it is today. That's certainly true, but it certainly was more real time than it was with these other uh, news outlets that would send you news when they wanted to, right? So then you have Twitter and other social media sites that came on the scene and you can access news in another way, this stream. We're all familiar with this now, right? The stream on Facebook, the stream on social media. We, we know what all of these are. So this removed the need for bookmarks because the news came to you, the feed came to you. You could subscribe or like or follow whatever sites or people you wanted or news sites or whatever. And news once again was delivered to you. However, now, especially now in this time, the mainstream media, politicians, academics, everybody else had no control over what you saw. You controlled the flow of information. And there may have even been algorithms in the background at the time that suggested other similar information that you might like. I remember all of this happening and I remember it happening vividly. You could select things and then those things would show up and it was the things you selected and it just went through. And every once in a while, there would be something popped in there that um, was something new but similar and you go like, oh, I didn't know that and you add that in or maybe you don't or maybe you hate it or maybe you don't, whatever. You, you could move through that and again, collate the information, collect the information that you wanted to know and you wanted to see. Again, this was eliminating all of those pictures of meals and things like that. Of course, there's that, but I'm talking specifically about news. Right, so in the late 20 teens, 16, 17, 18, especially after Trump got elected, for the first time, and I noticed this, you probably noticed this, you saw your feed on various social media sites, Twitter, Facebook, Insta to some degree, um, you saw those things change. You saw your feed change. The things that you wanted to see, the people that you had followed, maybe didn't show up as much. And at the time, I, I don't know about you, but I was kind of curious by that. Now, I don't know what it is. I'm resourceful enough or stubborn enough that I would go and click through and still do that because maybe it's back from my old bookmark days. Like I knew what I wanted to see and I would just continue to go back that. But in terms of my feed, it wouldn't show me the things that I wanted to see. Something had changed. Some algorithm or whatever had changed. And this, for some unknown reason, now we know, but, and even eventually most of these companies have admitted they did change these algorithms and they changed them. I've even talked about this before because of mis and dis and malinformations, misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. I've gone through those different, <coughs> excuse me. I've gone through those different definitions and I'm not going to go through it again. Essentially, they all add up to there's information out there that someone, the mainstream, the politicians, the academics, this, this quote unquote trademark scientists, they didn't want you to see. So these social media sites said you don't get to see them. So you had misinformation claims, disinformation claims, malinformation claims. They thought and they believed and they acted on the fact that they need to protect you from the bad information because. 
I guess you're too dumb to reason for yourself. I don't know what other conclusion to, to come to. Unless, of course, they just don't want you to have the information. So you decide what reason they have. Anyway, once again, the reason for all this story is we loop back around. Once again, we're back to the origin of this story. The mainstream, the politicians, the academics, and the trademark science tells you what you need to hear, and they're in control of the information. And if you happen to be one of the people who say the wrong thing, well, you probably just disappear. Again, you get banished from whatever site it is, especially Twitter, and you're not allowed to post anymore. This is why the media is really mad right now. This is why you're hearing things like, our democracy is under threat because people will be able to give their opinions on things, or we'll be able to vote the way that you want to vote rather than the way that they want to vote. They know that their power is waning. They know that um, you can make decisions for yourself. And that's a big problem because they want to control the information, especially go back to a couple of episodes that I've done recently where when you create imaginary worlds just by saying words like the magical phrase, I was a man, but now I'm a woman, transforms you magically into a woman there's no reality in that sentence but to say that makes it real in a lot of these people's minds so you have to enforce that reality some way so you have to enforce the words so you have to say you're not allowed to say contradictory things even if they're true you can't say those things so that leads us to the b that leads us to the babylon b and again the babylon b is a satire news site i've been following them for a long time and the funny thing about it is that I, apparently people don't know or don't remember or weren't around for. Again, this is maybe showing my age, but the Babylon Bee, like Babylon is a biblical term, right? <laughs> the rivers of Babylon. I mean, the, the, the Israelites were carried away to Babylon. The reason this site started and the reason I started following it years and years and years ago, I couldn't even tell you how many years, is because they used to make fun of Christianity a lot, pretty much all the time. That's pretty much all they did. They made fun of Christianity as a satire site. They're the Babylon Bee. They were not anti-Christian. I believe they're all Christians, but they're hilarious because they would make fun of things that I did in my kids, like flannel graph and all sorts of other silly Bible things or silly church things. They were the Babylon Bee. It was funny. Now, they still make fun of things, only they make fun of cultural things. And the weird thing is, a lot of times, the things they make fun of actually come true. That's been one of the things that has just been weird. At any rate, apparently the Babylon Bee is a flashpoint for this whole thing. <laughs> and that's, that's just, it's just one of these things that, that you look at and go like, this is the world we live in right now. But the Babylon Bee, a satire news site that really started as a satire Bible site that literally does not do real news. There is a now a site called, I think, Just the Bee or Not the Bee. It's called Not the Bee, which is apparently an actual news site. Um, but anyway. I've digressed a little because this is about the Babylon Bee, a satire news site, which is apparently the flashpoint for this whole change because Elon Musk, a eccentric and superstar billionaire who makes rocket ships and, and space-looking cars, right, space-looking electric cars, uh, decided that Twitter is a place for free speech. I just read for you the quote that he had that he just wants a place where people can say things. Of course, not everything, but let's be able to say a lot of things. He decided that Twitter is that place. And I think, by and large, he's correct. Twitter is that place and has been that place for a long time now. So he decided they, by 
Twitter removing the Babylon B, he needed to get involved and buy Twitter and change this whole process. At least that's part of the story. At least that's what seems to have happened. I could be wrong, but this is what it seems like. And I'll show you, I'll show you why. So initially, as I mentioned, you were not allowed to talk about gender. And that was a problem. You can't say a man is a man or a woman is a woman or God forbid, a man is not a woman. So we all know that there is a person named Richard Levine or Rachel Levine or whatever it is now that works for the Biden administration who is biologically a man. Um, and the Babylon Bee was watching some of this uh, go down and trying to respond to it, again, in a satirical way, I think. So they wrote that Richard Levine, well, I'll just show you what they wrote. So the Babylon Bee posted, the Babylon Bee's man of the year is Rachel Levine. Because Rachel Levine is Richard Levine, and Richard Levine is a man. So he, by the Babylon Bee, was awarded man of the year. Now, to the best of my knowledge, there's not actually an award of man of the year from the Babylon Bee. So it's, I mean, kind of funny. If you have any sense of humor, I think it's funny. At any rate, that tweet was terrible. And so terrible, in fact, it was uh, claimed by Twitter as the reason they had to be kicked off Twitter. So Twitter said, I'm just posting some screenshots if you're, if you're just listening. Uh, Twitter said, hi, Babylon B, your account has been locked uh, because you have violated rules against hateful conduct. You may not promote violence against, threaten, harass other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, blah, blah, blah. So I read you the tweet, the Babylon Bee's man of the year is Rachel Levine. Clearly a joke, but also has some element of truth anyway. Um, and so they're kicked out. And then, <coughs> then Twitter says, you can't get back on to delete this tweet. So the Babylon Bee says, <laughs> the CEO, Seth Dillon of the Babylon Bee says, and this is back in March, by the way. He says, quote, we're not deleting anything. Truth is not hate speech. If the cost of telling the truth is a loss of our Twitter account, then so be it. So he, the CEO of the Babylon Bee, tweets something that is biologically true, realistically true. I mean, it just is true. Uh, and he's not allowed to say that because true things may not be allowed if they go against approved things, right? Do you see how this works in social media, in the culture? This is why this is important. This is why we're talking about it in church public, where we look at church and culture, where we look at how to live out our faith in the real world, because I'm, I'm going to bring this to a spiritual point. I know it's taken a long time to get the Bible today, but, but we are going to get the Bible because it does matter. It matters what you say. It matters what you're allowed to say, because this is all just a silly thing. Like this whole thing, social media is silly. This uh, this issue is silly. Um, but what is not silly is the fact that you can't say real things. You can't say true things. And I know Elon is not particularly a Christian. He is very libertarian, which is probably why this is coming through. I don't know exactly where this journey is going to take him or take us. But I can say it is a good sign that someone who has some money and is putting that money where his mouth is and saying, you should be able to say true things. 
And some things are going to be offensive to other people. That's just the nature of reality. We're going to offend other people. Now, should you go around offending other people? No. Um, but you also should not fear saying true things, right? Do you see the difference there? Yes, there's going to be wackos on one side, like the soapbox guys, the soapbox preachers with the megaphone yelling things. And you're like, uh, could you tone it down a little bit? Um, or the, <laughs> the yelly people that are screaming about their abortions on the other side. Could you tone it down a little bit? But I'm not going to say you can't have a voice. I'm just going to say, hey, maybe you're using your voice in a way that isn't super productive. But hey, what we used to say back in my day, it's a free country. Do what you want. And on Twitter, that is not true until now. Again, it was not true that you could say it's a free country. Say whatever you want. No, that wasn't true. If you said whatever you want and it went against the approved narrative, miss and dis and malinformation, you were gone. Just like the satire news site, the Babylon Bee. So. We're back to the story now, bringing all things together. Elon brings in the kitchen sink and says, let this sink in, and is apparently getting rid of everything but the kitchen sink in terms of issues like this. So uh, Elon Musk, and I, and I just love this. This is, this is fun because you're just bringing everything back together. Let's the Babylon be back on Twitter. So um, Seth Dillon... Um, responds again and again so let's i'm gonna go backwards through this tweet so if you're just listening just listen if you're watching i'm gonna read from down to up which is not english but you'll get you get the point so this is the original tweet that i just read that we're not deleting anything truth is not hate speech if the cost of telling the truth is a loss of twitter so be it then some random person says how many days until seth the ceo of twitter changes his mind that's all back in march and now we go to the top of this page which is the current thing that's going on, Seth Dillon says, it has been 223 days. Twitter changed hands before I changed my mind. I think that is a great summary of what's going on. Twitter has changed hands. We're trying to get, or Elon is trying to get free speech free again, which is nice. Um, and the truth was not sacrificed. Don't live by lies. That's the phrase that we've talked about from An uh, Alexandra Solzhenitsyn um, and repeated by many others throughout the years that it's important to do truth to say true things to not let lies take over because i'll say from the beginning from the garden um it's easier to say lies it's easier to say not true things it's easier to just let lies reign than to actually say hard and true things this has been true for a long long time and i like that in this particular instance he did not succumb to the lies to say a man is a woman or whatever. Whatever the falseness is. There was another tweet that I didn't clip for this page, but at one point he said something like, we're going to continue to say 2 plus 2 equals 4. And that is a true thing, right? That's the example. The example is a true thing is a true thing. Whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter. Truth is truth. This is what got Jesus killed in the first place. He would not say false things to appease the leaders, either the Jews or the Romans, because he is truth. And we need to live in truth as well. And then finally, um, we just have Elon saying the bird is freed, <laughs> which I just think is a funny, uh, a funny tweet that he posted immediately after taking over the company. But but I do, I, I do want to bring this to a spiritual point because I think all this does really matter. And it really matters because free speech is the cornerstone to a free society. We cannot have freedom if you have to censor what you say. 
Yes, you want to censor really hateful things. Yes, you don't want to be a mean person, but you can't censor what is true, even if it's self-censoring. And that's what a lot of us have been doing, not being able to say really true and harsh things that are just true. And again, say them in love. Yes, hear what I'm saying. I don't want you to be a mean person. You should have a good heart. You should say things in grace, but truth as well. Grace and truth. Those are connected. They're heavily connected. Jesus was full of grace and truth. We should be full of grace and truth. We should say things in grace and love people in grace, but at the same time, not be afraid of saying true things. This Twitter example, though marginally silly in a lot of different ways, is really important because it shows us that truth is important. So I do want to get to Bible today, and this is not a directly connected passage, but I was reading it, and it really does apply. I, I really do think it does, because you see, as you follow Jesus more and more, this is where we dive into the larger culture, and we look at how this applies to our lives as we try to live in a Christian way, Christianly, Christian-like, Christ-like in the culture. <clears throat> how do we live that way wherever we go and, and live like Christ. Because as you follow Jesus more and more, as you speak more and more for the capital T truth, which is Jesus, you will not be loved by the world. That's just the reality of it. Jesus told us this himself. The world will cast you out just like Twitter used to cast you out because you're becoming more and more like God. And this world, believe me, believe Jesus, believe the Bible, this world hates God. It's going to continue to and more and more it seems. So as you progress in your faith, you must learn courage. You must learn strength. You must practice speaking truth, whether in person or on social media. Again, hear me with grace. Please speak truth with grace, but speak truth nonetheless. Practice these things. Have courage in speaking these things. And this is how Paul says it to the Romans. (laughs) I said the Romans. I'm sorry. This is how Paul says it to the Ephesians. I've been reading a lot of Romans too. I love the Romans, but this particular one happens to come from Ephesians. So Paul says it to the Ephesians and to you and to me. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ Jesus, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. Ephesians 4, 15, and 16. And this is my point, and this is the point. Yes, you have to speak in love, you have to speak in grace, but you have to speak truth. And I hope more and more that you continue to speak in love, And you can continue to speak truth as the day approaches. And it's probably going to get harder, but I hope you do continue to speak in love and in Jesus. Thank you for listening to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard, and as always, keep the faith.